Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. I was gone last week thanks to Elisa Childers for doing that great show on liberal Christianity. I was actually just returning from the footsteps of Paul Cruz. Every year we take at least one trip, either footsteps of Paul or Israel. And uh, this year we kind of did a backwards trip. We started in Rome. And uh, then we went uh, through the Greek islands and ultimately wound up in Athens and then Corinth. Uh, Again, an amazing trip. If you've never had the opportunity to travel either on the footsteps of Paul or to the Holy Land, to Israel, it really helps. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. It does bring the Bible to life because you see the places that were spoken of or are spoken of in the scriptures, and it really helps you understand the Bible and Christianity uh, so much better. And not only that, it's a lot of fun to do. So we had about uh, 30 six guests with me and uh, they were wonderful people. A lot of folks from Michigan. We had a whole group of ladies come from Michigan. Uh, It was a woman's trip. We had uh, several men on the trip as well, but uh, we just had a a wonderful time taking them through uh, so many historical sites, not just biblical sites, but we went to other historical sites as well. Uh, We went to some islands that uh, uh, Paul may have uh, been at very briefly, like Crete or Rhodes, so there's not a lot of biblical content there, but, and then of course, Santorini, what a beautiful island that is, uh, often voted the most beautiful island in the world. In fact, if you go to our Instagram account, uh, Dr. Frank Turk Instagram account, you can see almost the entire trip in 15 second videos. Our uh, social media director, Jorge Gill said, you got to do 15 second videos everywhere you go. So we've got this string of 15 second videos at all these sites. You can watch the whole trip in like two minutes. Uh, So go to our Instagram account and watch that. But just a fabulous, fabulous trip. We were on a ship, went from Rome uh, through the Greek islands and wound up in Athens and then drove over to uh, Corinth, which is only about 90 minutes away, not even, maybe 75 minutes away from Athens. And uh, just a a wonderful time. Next year, uh, we're going to back to the Holy Land with my friend and archaeologist, Eli Shukran. He'll be our guide. And it's... uh, Uh, Next year, about this time, late April, early May, it's almost halfway sold out already because Eli Shukran is the archaeologist who excavated most of the city of David. And of course, he knows Israel very well. He he's a native. He lives there. And so he'll take you places or us places that you typically won't go on a normal tour. So if you're interested in that at all, go to crossexamine.org. And uh, click on events, you'll see the VIP Israel tour. Uh, And uh, as I say, that's about a year from now. But you better sign up soon because we're filling up already. I got a lot to talk about today. We're actually live this morning. And later in the program, we'll get to your questions if you want to call in with a question. And it's uh, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. We'll get to you in the second half of the program. But I want to talk a little bit about a a uh, Christian Post article I just saw the other day. And in fact, uh, 
one of you, uh, one of one of our listeners here, actually emailed me a series of uh, tweets about this incident, and and now it's actually in an article, and it's the most popular article on the Christian Post right now, and here's the title: After 40 years, mega church, and that's in quotes, mega church pastor slams Christianity and quits. Deacon claims he had a fair. Okay. Now, I don't know how much of this story is true. I'm just telling you the, the truth here. I mean, I, I assume the general gist of it is true. But so much of this uh, comes from tweets by the supposed former pastor himself. And I'm not a big fan of trying to communicate detailed information via Twitter. In fact, I will never argue anybody on Twitter. What is it now? 280 characters? No. Uh, you know, make your case in 280 characters. No, no. Life is a little bit more complex and nuanced than that. And it takes a little bit more than 280 characters to do. So let me just say right off the bat that um, even if some of what this supposed article goes through isn't true. It's instructive. Now, I, I have no reason to think it isn't true, but I, I, I just want to be careful here because I don't, I don't see any other stories here. Mo most, most of this story seems to be put together by tweets from the pastor himself. So with that disclaimer, let me just go into what this story says. By the way, I've been subject of stories as well. And uh, when you read the story, you go, well, that's not right. Uh, that's a little bit off. That nuance uh, wasn't the right nuance, or it's more nuanced than that. So, as I say, with a disclaimer, uh, I'm going to go through this story and assume it's true in all the details. But even if it isn't, even if there's a detail or two that isn't true, it's instructive for all of us. Why? Well, you'll see as I get into it. I, I get into this uh, article here, and, and here, here, here's what it says. Again, it's on the Christian Post. By the way, I don't know if you've ever noticed, when you go to the Christian Post, you get more pop-ups about all sorts of different products than virtually any other site. So if you want to go to the Christian Post, use the uh, browser called Brave, B-R-A-V-E, Brave, because Brave stops just about every pop-up you can imagine. And in fact, it's so good at stopping pop-ups. Sometimes you, you don't even see the social media buttons. It suppresses those as well. So it can be a little frustrating, but it's, it, it's, it's better for me because I can't stand all these pop-ups. Every time you go somewhere, you got videos playing, you got commercials coming up, you've got join our email list, all this stuff coming up on your, on your browser. Brave stops all that. In fact, Brave was put together by Brandon. I'm trying to think of his last name. Ike, something like that. He was a gentleman who I think was working for Firefox and was run out of his CEO job at Firefox because he supported Prop 8 in California, uh, goes back about 10 years ago, to try to keep marriage between a man and a woman. And the folks who say they're fighting for tolerance couldn't tolerate him and ran him out of his job. And so he started this, this other, this other uh, browser called Brave. And it's quite good. But anyway, I'm, I'm viewing this on Brave right now. <laughs> You got to be brave to stand up for the truth sometimes. Here's the article. Dave Gass, a former mega church pastor who most recently led Grace Family Fellowship in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, has renounced his Christian faith as a system rife with abuse that caused him, quote, mental and emotional breaks, unquote. 
A representative from his former church, however, has accused him of being an unrepentant adulterer. Gass reportedly first made his announcement in a series of now protected tweets. All right. This is me now, not the article anymore. If you try and go to his Twitter account, this gentleman, Dave Gass, you can't read any of his tweets. It says it's private. You got to join or something. Anyway, that's what this article is talking about. Okay. Now protected tweets, but not before they are copied and shared across multiple social media platforms. And here's what he said in these tweets. Quote, after 40 years of being a devout follower, 20 of those being an evangelical pastor, I'm walking away from the faith. Even though this has been a massive bomb drop in my life, it has been decades in the making, unquote. Okay, he's leaving the faith. He says this, quote, when I was in eighth grade and I was reading Greek mythology, it dawned on me how much of the supernatural interactions between the deity of the Bible and mankind sounded like ancient mythology. The seed of doubt never went away, unquote, he said. Okay. Well, even if that's true, I have a question. Because there, there are interactions with supposed gods in Greek mythology, does that mean there are no interactions between God's people and Yahweh? Because there are parallels, does that disprove one or the other? I mean, you might think it does, but does it necessarily? Is that a really a good reason to say, well, if Greek mythology is just that mythology, does that mean that any other religious viewpoint is also mythology? I don't think that follows. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're going to be back in just two minutes to discuss this further. Our phone number, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Back in two. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examine podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamine.org and click on the donate button or simply use the donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. Welcome back to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network, our website, crossexamine.org. And uh, the app you need to have, two words in the app store, cross-examine, cross-examine, two words in the app store. And uh, we're over 180,000 followers, or I shouldn't say followers, 180,000 downloads on the app. So people are finding it very helpful. And in fact, the... Uh, app has most of the shows we've ever done. You're not going to find though all the shows on iTunes. They may go back a couple of years, but all of the shows that we've, or most of the shows we've ever done are on the app. They're archived. In fact, I had a question. Someone emailed me a question about slavery in the Bible. Six years ago today, May 11th, I had Dr. Paul Copan on to talk about that very subject. Uh, slavery in the Bible, and um, you can access it on the app. So that's why I say a lot of the shows that we do here are evergreen. Most of them are evergreen. What do I mean by that? It means they're not dated shows that we're talking about principles that are the same in 2013 as they are in 2019. 
So six years ago today, we did this survey or this this uh, radio program with Dr. Paul Copan, who wrote the book, Is God a Moral Monster? He has three chapters in the book on this issue of slavery in the Bible. And so if you want a complete answer to it via radio, I mean, the real complete answer is in his book, but as complete as you're going to get uh, audio wise, then go get the app, two words in the app store, cross-examined, and go back to May 11th, 2013, and listen to that program. Everything in there is germane to today. The only thing that isn't are the references I had to churches I was going to uh, that that week. In fact, let me just mention, I'm going to be at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida, next Sunday, May 19th. That's near Miami, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Calvary Fellowship, Miramar, Florida. I'll be there for the morning services. There are four of them. And then in the evening, we'll be going through, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. We'll introduce it in the morning services, and then we'll complete it, including Q&A, 6 p.m. at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, California. Uh, so I hope to see you guys uh, there. It's near Miami, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, that area. So check out our website, crossexamine.org, for more on that. All right, let's go back to our topic today. We are talking about this, uh, and I just had it up here. What happened to it? Stand by for Vectors, Victor. Uh, gee, I got to go find this thing again. It was just here. We were talking about a pastor who had left the faith and uh, put out a series of tweets as to why he left the faith. And uh, his first uh, tweet, here it is. After 40 years, megachurch pastor slams Christianity and quits Deacon claims he had an affair. And his first reason, apparently, for leaving Christianity was because he seemed to think that, gee, as I'm reading the Bible, it, it seems to be a lot like Greek mythology. Well, he doesn't explain it in the tweet because you can't explain much in a tweet. This is why it's not a good venue or good means of trying to communicate detailed information. But I'd like to query him on why he thinks that the two are the same. But of course, there's going to be similarity, uh, similarities in the sense that there's deity and then there are human beings. And if there's going to be communication between the two of them, in some sense, then Greek mythology and the idea of uh, Judaism or Christianity are going to have some similarities, just like they'll have with Islam and other religions. Yeah, supernaturalism is a characteristic of both Greek mythology and Christianity, but that doesn't ne necessarily mean one is true and the other's false or both are false. You've got to go a little bit deeper than that. Back to the article, he says he explained how he was raised in a hyper-fundamentalist Christian home where Christianity didn't work. The promises were empty. The answers were lies. Well, what do you mean by the answers were lies? What answers? What promises are you talking about? What promises are empty? See, I need more detail here. But it seems to me the explanation of him leaving the faith is based on expectations which are not expectations put forth in the Bible. And you'll see why as we go further here. He goes on to say, even so, he grew up in a devout Christian. He, he, he grew up to be a devout Christian who rarely missed church or failed to study scripture. He says, quote, I was fully devoted to studying the scriptures. I think I missed maybe 12 Sundays in 40 years. I had completely memorized 18 books of the Bible and was reading through the Bible for the 24th time when I walked away. He went on to say this, none of it, however, helped his marriage. Quote, this is the pastor again, Dave Gass. He says, as an adult, my marriage was a sham and a constant source of pain for me. 
I did everything I was supposed to do. Marriage workshops, counseling, Bible reading, Bible reading together, date nights every week, marriage books. But my marriage never became what I was promised it would be, unquote. Oh, stop right there. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, pile on this pastor who obviously has had a difficult time. I'm just, I just want to put a question around the expectation and uh, the supposed promise. Where is it promised that Christians are not going to have trouble in marriage? Where does it say that? I mean, sometimes people will say to me, like, I don't believe in God. And I'll say, well, what, describe what kind of God you don't believe in. And after they describe this kind of God, I'll say, well, I don't believe in that kind of God either. You, you have expectations that the Christian God never promised. Where does he promise your marriage is going to be always good? Where, where does it say that? It doesn't. Where does it say that life is going to be roses and rainbows all the time? It doesn't. But why do we expect it will? Why do we expect that becoming Christians or when we become Christians, life is going to get so much better and everything's going to go well. In fact, the exact opposite is promised. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Paul said, anyone who lives a faithful life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. What? This is why the prosperity gospel is a complete sham. Maybe he was thinking the prosperity gospel was true. And when the prosperity gospel didn't work out, he said, well, Christianity's false. That's why it's a dangerous doctrine. Now, this is going to sound maybe too harsh, and it'll probably lose me some listeners here, but I'm going to say this anyway, because I think it's true. I'd rather have somebody not go to church than go to a hardcore prosperity gospel church. Why? Because by going to a hardcore prosperity gospel church, you're getting the wrong idea of who God is. And then when God doesn't meet the expectations you falsely have placed on him, then you think God doesn't exist or he's a sham. If you don't go to church, maybe you won't get that wrong idea of God. And maybe there's a possibility that you will come to know the truth at some point, but it's very difficult for people. And I think psychologically it's very difficult because when you've been had you're much more skeptical than if you've never been had before. So this is why people who say come out of Mormonism tend to become atheists or agnostics. They don't most of the time become Christians because their, their, their skeptical baloney meter, so to speak is up. Look, I've already been had. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to decide to be nothing. I'm not going to decide to, to jump into another religious viewpoint that might be wrong here. And that's what goes on with the prosperity gospel. Maybe I don't, I don't know this guy. I'm only reading tweets here. So I don't know if he's a prosperity gospel teacher or what, but it all, all almost seems to think like he is. It almost seems, it sounds like he is. He has expectations of God that God has never promised. In fact, I think it was Gary Thomas who wrote the book, sacred marriage. And the subtitle is all you need to read to get the gist of the book and I'm paraphrasing the subtitle, but it goes something like this. 
What if God created marriage more for our holiness than for our happiness? What if God created marriage more for our holiness than our happiness? Look, if everything goes well in a relationship you're having, if there's no friction, if there's no tension, if there's no requirement for you to suppress your selfishness and yield to another person, then you're probably not growing. You're probably not becoming more like Jesus. Relationships are difficult because there are two broken people in a relationship. And that brokenness requires us to become more like Jesus to improve ourselves and to also improve the relationship. But if you're expecting that when you become a Christian, everything's just going to go well, you're not reading the Bible, right? Notice the pastor is giving reasons to leave Christianity, a Christianity that wasn't true to begin with based upon his expectations. This isn't Christianity that God is going to make your relationships all go smoothly. He went on to say this, an inescapable, inescapable reality that I came to was that the people who benefited the most from organized religion were the fringe attenders who didn't take it too seriously. The people who were devout were the most miserable, but I just kept, or let me get this right. The people who were, who were devout were the most miserable, but just kept trying harder. He said, well, this is one problem. This is what Paul talks about in Galatians. You, you can't just try harder. <laughs> You've got to yield. He talks about this in Romans too. You've got to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. It's not just about human effort trying to get better and better. It's about yielding yourself to Christ. He goes on to say the entire system is rife with abuse and not just from the top down. Sure, there are abusive church leaders, but church leaders are abused by their congregants as well. Well, that's certainly true. He's got that right. Unfortunately, some of the most difficult people to deal with sometimes are people in church. I think it was Tim Keller who said, well, Christianity attracts people who are normally not self-sufficient. It attracts people who, who need a God, a perceived need more so than the people who just have it all together. And so you might have more needy people in church. Jesus famously said, it's difficult for a rich man to get into heaven. Not that it was impossible, thankfully, otherwise none of us would be in heaven because in America, most of us are rich by the world standards. But the point here is, is that if you're self-sufficient, if you have it all together, you might not look for God. The people who are looking for God are the ones that have a perceived need. We all have a need for them, but I'm saying the people that really become Christians quite frequently or are seeking Christ have a perceived need. And so they might be people who are more broken. And that's why the pastorate is difficult. And that's why Christianity is difficult. One of the reasons anyway, we'll get into more right after the break. You're listening to cross examine with Frank Turek on the American family radio network. I hope to get to your questions later. Triple eight, five, eight, nine, 88, 40, triple eight, five, eight, nine, 88, 40. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. College campuses are hostile to the Christian faith, and three out of four young people walk away from the church once they go to college. That's why we go to college campuses and present I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist in the United States and even all over the world. When we do this, 
We don't charge students a dime. That's why we need your financial support. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've been able to grow dramatically because of your generous support. And 100% of your donations go to ministry. Zero percent go to building. So when you give to Cross-Examined, you'll be giving to help us go reach young people where they are. Would you consider giving today? Thank you so much, and thank you so much for what you've done already. If you want to be better able to show other people why Christianity is true and then answer their questions in an effective and winsome way, and maybe even present this kind of material in a formal setting, that you need to come to the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy, CIA, our 12th year of doing this. This year, it's going to be in the Big Apple. Forget about it. New York. Yes, we're going to be up in Brooklyn, New York, at the Christian Cultural Center. My friend uh, Jamal Bernard is our host up there. It is a uh, wonderful campus. It's obviously not far from Manhattan being in Brooklyn. So you'll get uh, the taste of the Big Apple while you're up there. And uh, we only take a small group of people. When I say small, about 60 or so. Because not only do we present to you, you present to us. In other words, we have to evaluate your presentation to try and help you get better at presenting the case. So in addition to myself, we'll have Greg Kokel there, David Wood, the expert on Islam. We'll also have Richard Howe, the great Richard Howe. We'll have Elisa uh, uh, Childers, who was uh, our host here last week. We'll have uh, Brett Kunkel, Ray Siervo, uh, Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist, and of course, Jorge Gilder, all our instructors this year, August 8 to 10, this year in Brooklyn, New York. You've got to apply. It's not cheap, but it is well worth what you'll pay. In fact, we don't make any money on this. We just cover our costs. Uh, so if you want to be a part of the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy, the 12th annual, you need to apply at crossexamine.org. The deadline's coming up. I think it's in June sometime. So apply soon at crossexamined.org. All right. We're talking about this pastor who left the faith. The title on the Christian Post uh, website, title of the article is, After 40 Years, Megachurch Pastor Slams Christianity and Quits. Deacon Claims He Had an Affair. Now, we've gone through some of the reasons, apparently, he's left the church, and he said, well, my marriage didn't work out, uh, the entire system is rife with abuse, church leaders are abused by their congregants as well, and I, I think that's true. I think a lot of times, congregants, church people are very unkind to their pastor. He says, church people are just crappy to each other, he used another word. He said, I spent my entire life serving, loving, and trying to help people in my congregations as the lies, betrayal, and slander I have received at the hands of church people left wounds that may never be, that, that may never heal. Hey, if, if you're out there and uh, you are unjustly criticizing your pastor and you're not, you're not meeting him in the Matthew 18 way that you should, if you're spreading lies and gossip and, and slander, First of all, you shouldn't do that to anyone, but certainly not your pastor. Pastors are often beaten up in our, in our, in, in churches today, pastors are expected to do everything. You know, if it's a church of say less than three or 400 people and it's virtually impossible to do for one person to do. So I can understand the frustration of this gentleman here, this Dave Gass who, who left the faith, but none of this 
should be reasons to say that Christianity is untrue. He said, quote, this massive cognitive, cognitive dissidence, my beliefs not matching with reality, created a separation between my head and my heart. I was gaslighting myself to stay in the faith. Eventually, I could not maintain the facade anymore. <clears throat> I started to have mental and emotional breaks. My internal stress started to show in physical symptoms. Being a pastor, a professional Christian was killing me. First of all, there are no professional Christians, but I know what he means. He's being vocationally paid for doing this to save himself. He, he walked away from the church. He said, eventually I pulled the lever and dropped the bomb, career, marriage, family, social standing, network, reputation, all gone in an instant. And honestly, I didn't intend to fully walk away, but the church, uh, but the way the church turned on me, forced me to leave permanently. He said, he apologized to his former followers and said he still loves those who dismiss him as an apostate. He goes on to say, however, and this has been verified by at least two people. Uh, the man who verified it was a represented or a, a member of the church basically said that, um, the pastor who left David Gass had committed adultery and was unrepentant and was actually living with the girl he committed adultery with. Okay. Let's, let's say that's true. Um, might that be a motivation for him to walk away from the faith? Yep. Could have been, but let's leave that aside for a second and let's just look at all the reasons he seems to say that he left the faith for. Do you notice that none of them, have anything to do with whether or not Christianity is really true. I mean, he's, he's not saying, well, there's no evidence that God exists. He's not saying there's no evidence that, um, that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. I mean, he's giving reasons that aren't really reasons to leave Christianity. He's basically saying it didn't work out the way I expected it to work out. Well, your expectations may be wrong. And this is one of the big problems I see in Christianity in general. People who say they're Christians have wrong expectations of God based on wrong interpretations of the scripture. And so when they, those expectations aren't met or those perceived promises don't come through, then they think God doesn't exist in Christianity's faults. In fact, he goes on somewhere in here. I'm looking for it in the article. He went on to say, I'm paraphrasing now. He said, you know, I, I've seen 47 people die. I, I've done uh, so many funerals. I prayed for so many people and they were never healed, healed. Does that mean God doesn't exist and Christianity is not true? Do you realize that if no miracles have occurred since the apostles, Christianity would still be true. Nowhere in Christianity, nowhere in the scriptures does it promise that miracles are going to occur indefinitely. Now, personally, I believe miracles sometimes do occur today. In fact, last year at this time, we had the great Craig Keener on this program uh, who wrote the famous two volume set called miracles about modern day miracles. And we also had Lee Strobel on who wrote the book, The Case for Miracles. Miracles today, not just from New Testament times and before. But even if Lee Strobel and, and Craig Keener are all wrong about present day miracles, Christianity would still be true if Jesus rose from the dead. 
And so to say that I've never seen a miracle as a pastor is not a reason to leave the Christian faith. Unless you have a false expectation that Christianity somehow promises miracles will occur today when you pray for them. Where does it say that? It doesn't. So you have a wrong expectation. And by the way, if you uh, say that, or as he says, I've left the faith. Well, he may not realize this, but anybody who's left the faith has actually adopted a new faith. What is the new faith? What are you now believing? What is your worldview now? How do you explain reality the way it is? I mean, if Christianity isn't true, what is? Well, some atheists will say, well, I don't have a worldview. I just have a lack of belief. Well, that's nonsense. Okay. Well, you might, you might have a lack of belief, but this water bottle on my desk right now lacks a belief in God. We don't call it an atheist. I mean, you have to come up with some other explanation for why the world is the way it is. If you're going to call yourself a thinker, if you're going to call yourself somebody who's pursuing truth, if you just want to say I'm agnostic about Christianity, but I don't have another worldview to replace it, you're still searching. Okay, that's fine. But there are some things that seem best explained. In fact, most things, in my view, seem best explained by Christianity. Why is Christianity true? Because it's the best explanation of the way things are. In fact, one of the things that this gentleman, Dave Gass, says, this former pastor, is he says right here that the system, Christianity, whatever he means by the system, is rife with abuse. Okay, time out. What do you mean by abuse? Well, congregants aren't treating their pastors well. Okay, why is that wrong? If there's no God, why is that wrong? Why is anything wrong? What do you mean by abuse? Christianity, in one of these quotes, he said, it's, it's just meant to control people. Why is controlling people wrong? Who said? And is, is that what Christianity is really about? Controlling people? From whose perspective? Have people used Christianity to control people? Yes. Does that mean Christianity is false because people misuse it? No. Now, I don't mean to be unkind. Maybe this gentleman has had some, obviously, some emotional a dislike of 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 what's happened to him. I get that. Sometimes the biggest problem with Christianity is Christians. We're the problem. But again, if you take a step back from the emotion and look at it rationally, Christianity is not false because people who claim to be Christians do wrong things. In fact, Christianity predicts that we will do wrong things. It guarantees it. It says we're, we're fallen and we need a savior. This is why when I debated uh, the great uh, so-called great Christopher Hitchens, and he, he was he was just a great orator. I don't think his reasons were great, but he was really good at rhetoric. Um, when I debated him a number of years ago, I said I pointed out that his book uh, is God. No, that's uh, what's the book? God is not great. That was his book. <laughs> you know how religion poisons everything, and he goes through the book about you know how all these evil things Christians have done. And I agree with him. I said, you know, Christopher, you're right. Christians have done a lot of evil things, but it creates a couple of problems for you. Number one, what do you mean by evil? If there's no God, there's nothing good or evil. And number two, you're proving our worldview to a certain extent because we predict we will do evil. In fact, Christianity is only necessary if evil exists. Christianity is the answer to the problem of evil. If there was no evil, Christianity would not be necessary. If people were always good, there would be no sin, which means there'd be no need for a savior, which means Jesus wouldn't be necessary to come save us. 
So when you say Christians have done evil things, let me agree with you. In fact, I, I, I said it in the second debate, I said, Christopher, I'm a hypocrite. I can't live up to what Jesus told me to live up to. I can't live up to the standards of be perfect at your heavenly father is perfect. That standard and many others. I can't live up to it. But if I could, I wouldn't need a savior. In fact, when people say I can't go to church because there's too many hypocrites down there, I normally say, come on down, pal. We got room for one more. We're all hypocrites. We can't live up to the standard that Christ has provided or that Christ has urged us to live up to. And he knows we can't live up to it. That's why he came to die. That's why he came to pay the price for us. We can't make it on our own. And so when you experience Christians who have done evil things, let me be the first to agree with you that we have done evil things. That's why we need a savior. But this is not a reason to say that Christianity is false. It's just another piece of evidence to say that it's true. So here's somebody you ought to pray for. This gentleman, Dave Gass, who's obviously had some difficulty with his congregation, and maybe he's been involved in an adulterous affair. So maybe pray. Maybe he'll come back into the faith. All right, I'm Frank Turek. Our phone number, 888-589-8840, 888 If you'd like to join the conversation, you can. We're live this morning. I'm back in just two minutes. Don't go away. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. We don't normally take phone calls because normally this is show is recorded. And that's because I'm on the road quite a bit on the weekend. But I happen to be here today, May 11th. So if you want to join the program, 888-589-8840. Any question you have, comment you want to make, that's fine. I also want to mention there's some events coming up this summer, which are always good to go to if you're a young person. One, of course, is Summit, summit.org. I'll be teaching out there as well as many other Christian apologists, philosophers, theologians. It's out in Manitou Springs. I think they also have... One out in Pennsylvania this year, perhaps. They've got a couple of campuses, but the, the, the real fun one, I believe, is Manitou Springs out there in Colorado because you, you not only get some great teaching, but you do some great stuff in the mountains there. If you want to be a part of that, go to summit.org, summit.org. Also, my friends down at Impact 360, which is down in uh, south of Atlanta, about an hour and 15 minutes, Pine Mountain, Georgia. They have a summer program as well. I think a two-week week program or one week, one or two weeks. The one in the one in uh, at Summit is two weeks. Maybe the one down in Impact 360 is one. E- either way, either of those two programs you're going to enjoy. So check all that out at uh, summit.org and also Impact 360. They're my friends down there in both places, and they do great work. Uh, it'll help you not only know why Christianity is true, but share it with others. And uh, you'll also meet a lot of people your own age. Most of these are for high school and college uh, students. So check all that out at those two websites. All right. Somehow the phone lines have just completely lit up. And uh, so we're going to go to the phones. We've been talking today about uh, the emotional reasons a pastor out in Missouri left the faith. Doesn't really give any good uh, reasons that are 
striking at the heart of Christianity. He's not saying there's no evidence for God. There's no evidence for the resurrection. By the way, those are the two facts that show you that Christianity is true. God exists and Jesus rose from the dead. If those two facts are true, Christianity is true. And by the way, I see this happen quite a bit. When atheists or skeptics or people who are f- so-called former Christians, when they leave the faith, they hardly ever cite things that make Christianity false or that would that, that strike at the heart of Christianity. They're, they're talking about emotional issues, serious issues, but emotional issues that that could still exist and Christianity still be true. So the expectations that we have are important. Let's not expect of God something he never promised and then say God doesn't exist because the promise, which he never promised, didn't come true. In fact, he promised the exact opposite. You will have trouble. All right, let me go to the phones. We'll start with Barbara in Mississippi. Barbara, you're on with Frank Turek. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you for taking my call, Frank. I just wanted to comment on the the pastor. Yes. In the little book of James in the Bible, it says, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And he had an affair with a woman. He, He let the devil come in. And 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 distorted his faith of trying even with God. I think Barbara, that's could be the case because at least two people have said it's true. He's had an affair. Now that probably has colored his decision making, but I don't know for sure. So, but you might be right about that. Of course, we need to pray for uh, this man, and we need to pray that we need to pray for our pastors and people in ministry who are in vocational ministry, because it is very difficult, particularly pastors. I always tell pastors, what you're doing is way harder than what I'm doing. I'd rather deal with atheists sometimes than some of the Christians I've, I've, I've run into uh, at, at churches who, are, who can be very territorial and, and very unkind, as this pastor has pointed out. So um, I, I think we need to pray for him. But thank you for your call. I got a number of other calls here. Let me go to Darren in Texas. Darren, you're on with Frank Turk. Go right ahead, Darren. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the guy said, said that, uh, that the, religion, the Christian church was wild with uh, Greek mythology. I think he's correct. He said it was similar to Greek mythology. It made him think of Greek mythology well, or how, the, how there were two similarities way. there. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. Okay, I, I've never found this. One, one thing that bothers me, it's the Ten Commandments. I've never read in the Bible where... Jesus did away with the Ten Commandments. That we aren't supposed to try to live up to that level. We can't, but we should try. And, yeah, well, G- uh, Jesus actually went beyond the Ten Commandments, as you know. He said, be, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, right. He said, if no, you even think about a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty, which is well beyond what the Ten Commandments said. And, and technically, right. the Ten Commandments... Uh, don't apply to Christians unless they're repeated in the New Testament. And nine out of the 10 are repeated in the New Testament. The only one that isn't is keep holy the Sabbath because that the Sabbath has arrived. Jesus is our rest. But but go ahead, Darren. What was your other point on that? My other point was it's, it's like uh, uh, Easter. We just had that wonderful holiday. Uh-huh. And I believe I believe that we should celebrate the risen Christ. Absolutely. I have a problem. I have a problem. With the fact that we've indoctrinated Easter into it. Easter into what? Easter into the the risen Christ celebration. 
Well, yeah, the word Easter um, doesn't necessarily communicate the risen Christ. In today's culture, we think Easter, Easter bunnies. But yeah, no, it's exactly. it, it's exactly. really the resurrection you know, that that we ought point. to be talking about. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for the call, point. Darren. Let me move on to Paul in Missouri. Paul, you're on with Frank Turek. Go right ahead. Paul, you there? Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm in Ohio. Um, oh, hey, okay. Uh, appreciate appreciate your, your show. I, I catch it anytime I can. Hey, I had a question about the uh, aspects you brought up with regards to miracles and the mm-hmm. miraculous. Um, you know, because I have people in my own circle who have the train of thought where, you know, when Jesus, before going up into heaven, uh, was telling the disciples that you do greater works. And so they think that taking this quote-unquote next step or that deeper level into their Christianity is having evidence of, you know, as one instance healing. So how do you, is that, I guess, how do you, how do you interpret that scripture? I mean, was that just directed at the apostles at that time? Well, some some commentators say it was directed just at the apostles at that time, and they did do great things, um, that they did do miracles that confirmed that they were apostles, Paul, Peter, others, right? And others will right. say, well, some of those gifts continue to today, and that's an, that's an ongoing debate in Christianity. But if the first group is correct, that it was just for the apostles, Christianity is still true. In other words, Christianity is still true either way, whether or not the sign gifts existed just in the first century or exist today as well. So either way, Christianity is true. But to say that I haven't seen any signs personally, that I haven't seen any miracles personally is evidence that Christianity's faults doesn't follow. Unless you have the expectation that that, that signs must continue today and whatever I ask for them, they're going to happen. And I think, I think that's a false expectation. Yeah. Okay. That, that's kind of, that's what I was thinking as well, but that, that kind of reiterates or poses it a little differently. So, okay. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Paul. I appreciate it as well. Yes. I think that's one of the problems we have is when we have false expectations and those expectations aren't met, then we somehow think there's something wrong with Christianity, God, or the Bible or something. When in fact, we haven't understood the Bible correctly. We haven't understood Christianity correctly. We haven't understood God correctly. And we're the problem. We're, (laughs) we have this false expectation and that false expectation causes us to doubt the truth when in fact, we just don't understand the truth rightly. So don't put false expectations on God as it appears this pastor has done. This pastor has left a faith. If you're just tuning in, you can go to the christianpost.com and you can read the story. This pastor who apparently was a pastor for 20 years left the faith. And the reasons he gives for leaving the faith have nothing to do with the heart of Christianity. And that's what we're talking about today. Okay, let me go to Rick in Ohio. Rick, we just have a minute or two, so we got to make it quick. Go ahead, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing great, Frank. I really love your show and uh, oh, some of your books. And I just want to appreciate you all your ministry. Um, I wanted to talk about the gentleman two callers ago that uh, said a phrase of we should at least try. My wife mm-hmm. has come out of the Hebrew Roots movement, mm-hmm. and uh, that seems to be a mantra of false religion to say we should at least try. I think the point of our Christian walk is that we recognize no matter what we do to try, we're never going to make it. 
and to of course stop not trying. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we trust in the Lord for what he's done. It's not about what we've done. And I, I just want our Christian brothers and sisters to know that they may run into people, Seventh-day Advent, Black Hebrew Israelites, uh, the Hebrew Roots Movement, that they all have this thing of adhering to the law of Moses. But the curse in Deuteronomy of not doing all of it is on them all, because if they try and don't do it all and they can't, they don't have sacrifices, they don't go to Jerusalem three times a year. There is so much in their doctrine that's messed up. But until people are literate with their Bible, with literate with what God uh, is, is expressing to us about our part and his part, I think that we're all going to get tripped up with people who are mingling in the church like that. So They you know, are. And in fact, yeah. no, no, you're right about that, Rick. And that's a problem, too. In fact, you can't live up to all the 613 Old Testament laws. Just read Acts chapter 15. Peter says we couldn't do it. You're trying to put it on the on the new believers the, the, the New Testament believers, you're trying to put laws that we could not live up to on them. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 8.13 says, the old covenant is obsolete. That's the word the writer of Hebrews uses. That's not me. That's him. Yeah. And that, that means everything from Exodus 20 to the end of Deuteronomy in terms of law, that's the old covenant that applied to Israel does not apply to us today unless it's repeated in the New Testament. And so the problem here is, is that people mix and match the Old Testament with the new. That's a subject of a book that uh, I endorsed from my, by my friend Andy Stanley called Irresistible. He goes into that in great detail. And when we mix and match the old and the new covenant, we run into all sorts of trouble. By the way, you well, couldn't, as you just pointed Jesus out, said, Rick. Even Jesus said we have, even Jesus said, don't mix the, mix the old garment and the new and uh -huh. don't put the old, new wine in the old wineskins. That's the problem with, with mixing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I appreciate the call, Rick. Thanks for making that point. Um, the problem here is, is that you couldn't, even if you wanted to, there's no temple in Jerusalem. How are you going to live up to the 613 laws? Some of them have you going to the temple if there is no temple. So the entire system of trying to obey the Old Testament law would be impossible anyway. Anyway, friends, I'm Frank Turek. Great being with you this time, and uh, hope to see you here again next week. Get the app if you want all those uh, programs. Most of them are evergreen. Also want to point out, I'll be at uh, uh, Calvary Church near uh, Miami next week, May 19th. Hope to see you there. God bless. See you next week. We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you think our podcast needs to reach more people, here's what you can do to help. Go to iTunes and type cross-examined official podcast, four words in the search bar, and leave us a five-star rating. It'll take you less than five seconds. And if you have a few more seconds to spare, leave us a positive review. The best reviews will be featured on future episodes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. God bless. God bless.